0: Welcome back to another Inward Authority Podcast. Hopefully you got to listen to the first series on the growth formula. In this series, I plan to provide examples of anecdotal evidence. The thing about this anecdotal evidence is that it has been validated by many over the course of decades. And when it comes to love and grace, all we have is anecdotal. This is why I continue to encourage and guide us all to put into practice biblical teachings, so we can personally experience the evidence. Seeing is believing, and to understand the evidence of God is to see what is invisible and intangible. We can learn to see with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual ears. We can sharpen our spiritual senses and raise our spiritual awareness through application of the spiritual growth formula. Our level of spiritual growth equals our amount of mind, heart, diligence, spiritual focus, time, and biblical alignment. It is about our current participation and not what we have already done. 1 John 4, 7-8 through 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The way to know God is to know love, God's love. The way to know such love is to do it. By being love for others, we can be taught about God. Psalm 34:8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. A long time ago before I began my spiritual journey and for many years into my spiritual journey I participated in evil. It's important to understand how the Bible describes evil, which cannot be summed up into a sentence. Like all spiritual understanding, words cannot teach it. It comes through experience and searching. Looking back at my childhood, I did not see or hear much about love. I don't recall ever really experiencing sincere love. Love seemed to be an idea that people generally would glimpse, but it always seemed to be fleeting and quickly change. People would say they care, but then sometime later do things that prove they don't. I would reciprocate the I love you at Christmas, Valentine's Day, and situations that make it customary, not really thinking much about it. So when I began my spiritual journey, I was introduced to the idea of love. I recall a time when I was speaking with a sponsor or mentor, complaining about someone who was rude in a group, I was expecting my mentor to affirm my attitude since I was clearly explaining how rude this person was. But instead, he says to me, you don't have to like him, but you have to love him. This threw me, like searching for a handshake and getting a slap on the face. I tried to make sense of it, but couldn't. I couldn't because I didn't understand love. I changed the message to something I could understand. I changed in my mind to respect the person. I don't have to like the person but I need to respect them. If love is the evidence of God, then my life indicated to me God did not exist. I mean the evidence I witnessed that love was not real was mounting. So much betrayal, so many lies, and so much hurt. I just didn't see God. There was one exception. A new relationship I had with a person who had a really good heart. It opened my eyes that maybe there was a God. I was finally witnessing something good in the world. I couldn't grasp how to love. It didn't really make sense to me. I had never read the Bible, and this was nine years before I even picked up the Bible. I resented fake people who would say, I love you, when they didn't even really know me. How can they love me if they don't know me? If they don't understand how I think and feel, how can they love me? They would love their idea of me instead of the real me. The I love you phrase would always be uncomfortable. I just wouldn't play along because that would make me fake or deceptive. A friend of mine invited me to do some volunteer work with some kids. Afterwards, he dropped me off at my house and as I opened the door to get out, he said, I love you. The thought of saying I love you too came to my mind, but then it wouldn't be true. And I was to be honest. So I said, cool, and then left. Right around a year into my spiritual development, I got into a relationship. My girlfriend was going through some serious problems and I asked a person I respected for some guidance. He asked me, do you love her? I thought for a moment and said, yes. He said, then love her. That was it. That was his great advice, love her. In order for me to fulfill this calling to love, I needed to figure out what that would look like in my mind, heart, attitude, and actions. That meant investigation, time, and diligence. If I didn't think about it, set my inward being toward it, and push myself to act differently, it simply wouldn't happen. Back to the story. My spiritual advisor seemed to know what he was doing, so I thought I would give it a try, which means apply the spiritual growth formula. So when my girlfriend called me up late one night from a bar, crying, my instincts were wanting to hang up the phone. But instead, I chose to do this whole love thing. I'd been learning the prayer at St. Francis and how to respond differently. So I told her I was coming to get her. One thing you need to understand is that I did not have a car, and it was roughly midnight. I walked two miles at midnight in Central Phoenix, to get to her and walk her walk with her another three miles home. Also, she was not good company. She was drunk. As a result, I got to experience something new. She appreciated me and was able to experience the grace of God coming through me in a gift form as I choose to serve God's ways instead of my own ideas. That was a new and different feeling. Helping someone who did not deserve to be helped provided me a new experience, understanding, and awareness of spiritual character. As my focus shifted toward what was going on within her heart and mind with compassion and sincere empathy, grace happened. If I kept my mind busy away from being emotionally present, I could have missed the spiritual experience. There was the experience of choosing to be there for her, doing the work, walking, and getting there. There was the choice to focus my mind on the emotions within myself and her. There was the decision to keep my attitude toward serving God throughout this journey. I learned the significance of being present with and for God in serving others and how powerful the effect can be when done honestly and sincerely. I learned how awkwardly and scary it is to walk into grace because it involves dying to self. The ignoring of many signals within my thinking to do otherwise. The spiritual evidence could only be understood through spiritual action. No one could have produced this understanding through any amount of video, words, or demonstrations. I had to do what I did to get what I got. This experience is all about mercy. God is merciful. Let us look at a few verses with mercy. Please patiently consider. The phrase, those who, and what that means. Exodus 26, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Deuteronomy 5.10, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Luke one fifty, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. God is merciful, and in my decades of biblical and experiential research, I found three crucial points about mercy. First, God is continuously wanting to give mercy in limitless amounts. God is the giver, like someone wanting to give a ball to another person. The second point is that people can refuse or miss mercy. People are like the receiver who will need to position themselves to receive and accept it. If a ball player is thrown a ball, the receiver will need to see it, reach out for it, and take it in. If they are not looking and responding, they can miss it. Sometimes, they simply refuse to play the game or to have their head in their game and instead concentrate on other things. We can choose to think about grace and God and keep our focus there. Or we can think about resentment, fear, and selfish ambition. Finally, mercy comes to those who seek God and obey God. God is about certain principles, character, and values. To participate in the spiritual principles of God requires the humbling of self, sincere truth, and willingness to accept God's ways into our heart, mind, and soul. Mercy can be withheld to those who refuse to give themselves over to God's goodness. Matthew five seven, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In Luke 10.25-37 An expert in the law asked Jesus, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus describes the parable of the Good Samaritan, but first Jesus shares the greatest commandment. Jesus then says, do this and you will live. Jesus finishes the discussion about the parable with Go and do likewise. Think about these statements from Jesus. Do this and you will live. Go and do likewise. When it comes to knowing and understanding God, it has everything to do with inward condition. Our sensing the goodness of God through experience is essential. Actions without our spiritual senses can lead us to an experience of emptiness. Reading has very little to do with experiencing love and mercy. I learned about God through experience and reading. I read the prayer of St. Francis, thought about what it meant, and then I put it into practice. I took it into my heart, imagined how to act upon it, and then I did it. I received mercy when I was 21 years old by following some simple steps utilizing my heart and mind together toward spiritual action. I was led to confess or share my resentments and talk about my fear. I was instructed to be willing to go to any length for the process. I was told to be thorough and rigorously honest. I was to examine myself for destructive character and I was to go out and right the wrongs I had done to others. All these steps were teaching me how to humble myself, be sincere, abhor evil, and cling to what is good. See Romans 12.9 My spiritual search for God involved much prayer, meditation, and listening to others who have had a spiritual experience share their journey. Our readings were about sharing our personal spiritual experience instead of questioning and theorizing. We can learn and experience God's mercy through humble and sincere Participation Matthew eighteen thirty three NIV Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Luke one fifty four. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. James two hundred thirteen because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James three hundred seventeen. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Jude 1.22 Be merciful to those who doubt. Mercy is an experience, a state of mind, heart, and soul. If our thoughts, feelings, and actions are not improving toward this way of life, then that would be sin. Sin is to miss the mark, and the mark is to participate in God's mercy toward one another. Although I have had some profound experiences in mercy, I am still very far from where God would like me to be. I have so much room to grow in God's grace, but to do so requires an increased application of the spiritual growth formula. Thank you for listening. And I hope and pray you choose to give yourself more and more over to God's grace.